Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Andrew P. Shea. Ross Tucker will be along in a little bit. Andy, how are you doing today? Hanging in there, Jim. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm doing okay. You're 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 playing under the weather. We appreciate Again. it. Yes. You could do it. I know you can. We have confidence in you, Andy. All right. Before we get started, a reminder: we're coming up upon our deadline to join me and Dusty on the trip to the Penn State Auburn football game. A deadline of July 22nd. That's coming up very quickly. That's in one week. If you want to join us, along with Collegiate Athletic Travel, we're sponsoring a trip to see Penn State at Auburn. You get to stay at the team hotel, flight to and from uh, the game, transportation to and from the stadium, tailgate party, and most importantly, you get to mingle with me and Dustin. We'll be doing our podcast from down there. Also, a live podcast on Friday evening. If you want more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. And one other quick reminder, we've got a land version of the trip. If you're one of our many listeners down in the southeast area of the country, you plan on driving to the game, you can still stay with us at the hotel, get involved with the tailgate party. Um, just call that same number, 800-788-4414. We would love to have you join us. All right, Andy, it's time to get to the news. Uh, just to let folks know, we know there's a couple big commitments coming up. We're recording yeah. prior to that. So next week's show, we'll hit on Tony Rojas and Tamara Robinson and their commitments. But today, and you know, Andy, I'm a sucker for this. When they start to come out with the point spreads for the games, this is when it tells me we're getting close. I can't wait. And I start to decide where I'm going to put my couple dollars down. But we've got some spreads for Penn State. Uh, I think it's like... Uh, someone came out with, there's six of them, six games, Purdue, Auburn, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, and Michigan State. Point spreads have already come out. Before we get to the individual point spreads, got to ask you, looking it over, anything stick out to you? Any game that just screams, something's up here, I need to place a bet? (laughs) Uh, (coughs) Excuse me, not, not really other than... And at its core, the the Michigan State line and Penn State being a, I think they're a six and a half point early favorite. I mean, Penn State just has, they struggle with that with that program. But that could boggle me on its core. But I know Michigan Michigan State has some massive holes that need filled, and their options are somewhat limited because they've been, you know, with their recent recruiting struggles and the turnover in their program. So. You know, it might be catching up to them just a little bit. But on the surface, that one strikes me as um, a little bit. 13.5 for Ohio State at Happy Valley. Interesting number because Penn State plays them well, whether it is in Columbus or in 
in, you know, inside the friendly confines of Beaver Stadium, Penn State is not intimidated or does not get overwhelmed traditionally by Ohio State under James Franklin. So I find that a, a curious line more than anything. And I just think the odds makers in some respects are jumping on the Michigan train a little bit too hard. You know, I mean, they're just a one-year wonder. I mean, the three previous years before that, we, you know, we know about their struggles. Their struggles overall as a program are well-documented. Under Jim Harbaugh, they had a one-year wonder. I think you need to be a little more cautious than that, but Penn State is going on the road, so that makes a difference as well. Well, the history with Michigan and Penn State has been the home team has been doing better typically over the years. Um, Penn State has gone to Michigan and struggled there. So that really didn't stick out to me. And even uh, we're, after we're done with Penn State, I wanted to also talk about uh, some of the Ohio State spreads because I, I got a gander at that also. So the 13 points with Ohio State doesn't surprise me. Um, Ohio State looks like they're going to be very good this year. Just to read these off real quickly, Penn State's a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Purdue. A little intrigued by that. Penn State's a one-point favorite at Auburn. I think the narrative is that Auburn is in trouble, that there's issues down there. So even on the road, Penn State, the slightest of favorites. Penn State, a a six-and-a-half-point underdog with Michigan. A nine-point favorite with Minnesota at home. I think a little bit that one is... There's not a great deal of confidence in Minnesota. Of course, we mentioned Penn State, a 13-point underdog at home with Ohio State. And you mentioned the 6.5-point favorite with Michigan State. That's a home game also. And I think the thing is, you mentioned Michigan being the one-year wonder. I get the feeling that that's still the take on Michigan State, that last year was probably the outlier until they prove otherwise. Um, I teased, Andy, that I also saw the Ohio State spreads that came out, and there's five of their games um, where we already mentioned Ohio State at Penn State, the point spread is 13. Ohio State's a 13-point favorite. That is the closest point spread of the games that have come out. Notre Dame is at Ohio State. 17 and a half points Ohio State favored by. Wisconsin at home, 15 and a half point favorite. Iowa at home, 21 point favorite. Michigan at home, 13 and a half point favorite. Do any of those surprise you, Andy? Besides the fact that it looks like four out of their five toughest games are at home. Not not really. I mean, they won every Big Ten game except Michigan. That was their only conference loss last year. They won all the rest of their Big Ten. All their Big Ten games they won last year, they won by nine or more points. And those nine-point wins were against Penn State and at Nebraska. So the, the curious line for me was like, check out the Michigan. I mean, what, that Michigan line. And then you look at the Penn State-Michigan line. I'm not sure what that 13 and a half point underdog. I, I'm just not sure what that is. I, I can't, that, that's one plus one equals three to me. It kind of is like, 
how can they be that big of a favorite against Michigan? Now I know they have a dog, they have a dog bone to chew against Michigan, and they have a payback coming uh, to Michigan, um, and it's still a rivalry game anyway. But I'm like, that just is, seems like a one plus one equals three. That not only is Penn State less of a favorite, but they um, also, you know, Michigan is that much of a favorite. Well. The, the the thing is, uh, Michigan is a uh, what was it? A, almost a touchdown favorite over Penn State, and almost a two touchdown underdog with Ohio State. Now, some of that, of course, is uh, Penn State's playing at Michigan. Ohio State is playing home against Michigan. But I'm a believer in that revenge game. I think Ohio State's going to take every opportunity to roll. But what I think this also says, just looking at uh, comparing the odds on Ohio State versus Penn State, just how far away Ohio State is from Penn State, and probably the rest of the Big Ten. This shows you just with that expectation level. Yeah, they're, they're they're, they're, their college football playoff slash national championship team or bus kind of, that's the way their roster is built right now. I mean, that should be the expectation with this roster and the skill players and everything else that they have. The quarterback, I mean, they've got everything you could ask for. So that's an indicator. And they've, they've shown in the Big Ten that they'll just – continue to, you know, blow into the 40s and low 50s and just do what they need to do. So, you know, that is a reflection of this. It's a reflection of that and their roster is, their roster is ridiculous. I mean, you look at it, you look at their two deep depth chart and it's like, it is ridiculous. It is one of the strongest, deepest Ohio State teams that this coach has had. It is Absolutely. Not only the top end strongest, but you start going into the depth of, of this team and it is utterly ridiculous. Okay, Andy. One other news item caught my eye. And this is after Penn State lost their one quarterback uh, commitment last week and when Marcus Stokes decommitted from Penn State, decided he's going to Florida. And I think for Penn State fans, I don't want to say up in arms, but it's like, okay, what now? And where I'm headed is to Florida State. They also had a quarterback decommit. Would I be surprised if Penn State went after the kid? No, I wouldn't. But it was interesting to read about Florida State's quarterback situation in comparison to Penn State. They just lost a commit probably because they were looking to add another quarterback. They offered a couple more quarterbacks after this one committed. But here was another little, two little tidbits that intrigued me. One was, this is the fifth consecutive year that Florida State has had a quarterback commit decommit. And the second part to this, when it talked about where would Florida State turn to replace this quarterback... One of the names that came up was none other than Marcus Stokes, the previous Penn State commit who committed to Florida. The thought is Florida State might still target him. Yeah, it's, I mean, you you need to actively recruit 
you know, two to three quarterbacks per class actively, um, I think. And, and it's just the position is so volatile right now with the decommitments and the transfer portal and guys moving. And it, it gets tricky, right, because they want to play sooner than later. You know, patience is not something that a lot of particularly high-end recruit quarterbacks have these days. I mean, in Penn State's position, you'd say, thank goodness for Sean Clifford to some degree, right? Like, not only did he come, but he stuck around. But it is an extremely volatile position, and it's tricky on the recruiting front, and it's tricky on the holding on to him front. It, it definitely is. And the fact is, as you mentioned, the transfer portal, the drama isn't over once they arrive on campus. Nope. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. Ross shows up in quarter number two. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. It's quarter number two. You know what that means. We welcome back Ross Tucker. Ross, after a week off, great to have you back in. It's great to be back, Jim. Uh, missed you guys last week. I was actually in Alaska. Anybody that follows me on social media saw a couple pics, but you know what, Jim? They only saw the pictures the first day and after I got back because I had six full days, Jim, on a boat in Southeast Alaska with no cell service at all. None. None. 
So I couldn't post any of the pictures of being in the hot spring or at the glacier or whatever. So uh, I would just say this, especially since a lot of our listeners are from Pennsylvania or grew up in Pennsylvania, I think you would love Alaska. It is a bucket list item. It's beautiful. I've been to a lot of places and the three prettiest places I think I've ever been are probably Southeast Alaska, uh, Queenstown, New Zealand, um, as well as probably Salzburg, Austria. I mean, just in terms of like breathtaking beauty, it was amazing. So hopefully you all already follow me on social media at Ross Tucker NFL on pretty much all of them now, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I think I even have a TikTok now, Jim, which shows you how much I contribute to that TikTok. (laughs) Well, and I'll tell you what, trips to Australia, mentioning New Zealand and Austria, all hotbeds of Keystone Sports listeners. We're big in New Zealand. We do have at least a couple listeners I know in Australia. I'm not sure about New Zealand. So if you're from New Zealand, send us a note if you listen to the show. All right, Ross, it's time for us to get back to our Class of 22 scouting reports. You've done a great job. It's time to wrap up. We're gonna, we'll have to go a little quicker today because we got three wide receivers to get to. Let's get right to it. Let's start with Tyler Johnson, six foot one seventy-five out of Ridgeway, Virginia. What do you got on Tyler Johnson? He's a really fun player to watch. I I I, I love guys like this. You know, I think what's interesting, Jim, none of these guys are big guys. You know how Penn State used to get uh some big receivers, but you know, remember Jawan Johnson and Irv Charles. You know, they've had more success, though, with the Jahan Dotsons of the world, you know, um, Deshaun Hamilton, guys like that. And it seems like that's almost what they're going for now because all three of these receivers are around 5'11", 6 foot, and 180 pounds or less. You know, they have really made a decision that they don't need size or want size at that position. They want the K.J. Hamlers. They want the Jahan Dotsons. And all three of these guys had a little bit of Jahan Dotson to them. Tyler Johnson, you know, this is not a good way to start a scouting report typically, Jim. But he has average size, average frame and growth potential, I'd say. And he even has average speed. And so there's a lot of times where you'd say those two things and it's hard to get that excited about a prospect. However, um, and, and by the way, the average speed is especially long speed. He does not pull away really um, from high school kids. What he does have though is he has a, a really good initial burst, which is helpful. But this kid is just a terrific all-around football player. I think he's a Division I player at wide receiver, at running back, and at multiple positions on defense. Probably safety and like as a nickel linebacker. The two things that jump out to him, jump out to me about him, tremendous strength and toughness. Those are his best traits. 
Tremendous strength. I mean, Jim, kids are just, he breaks so many tackles. They're bouncing off of him. They're falling off of him. I mean, I, he must be the strongest 175-pound kid in the world because his strength and toughness and everything he does, I mean, he breaks so many tackles. He has awesome instincts really at every position. Wildcat quarterback, running back, receiver, defense with a couple interceptions and making plays on the football and tackles. He just has really, really good instincts at every position, but that's especially with the ball in his hands. With the ball in his hands, man, he makes guys miss. He's got some terrific jump cuts. His change of direction is outstanding, and I just couldn't believe how many tackles he breaks on his video. He is a fun, fun player to watch, and a guy that... I have no idea what position he's going to end up playing. But I think his toughness, instincts, and strength are going to give him a chance to get on the field somewhere. And what score did you give him? I gave him a 7.9. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to give somebody something higher than that if you start with average size and speed. But boy, I really liked him. He was my favorite of these three guys. No, that, that's interesting because I think he was probably the least well-known. One other point on the smaller receivers, Taylor Stubblefield, who's now the wide receiver coach, was very productive player in college so many years ago. Not the biggest guy. You think he's looking for clones of himself? I don't, you know, I think every person has an inherent bias to what they deem to be the best traits at a player to position. And this is going to shock you, Jim, but usually they admire the traits that they possessed as a player. I like smart players. I like tough players, guys that play hard to the whistle on the offensive line. That's my bias. More than long-armed guys that have great feet necessarily. Everybody has a bias based on sort of where they're coming from. But I got to be honest with you, he's the one of these three I knew the least about watching them. And I thought he, I thought I would like him the least. I liked him the most. All right, let's quickly get to the next one. Anthony Ivy. So I know a lot about Anthony. Quick Anthony Ivy story, Jim. I, after his freshman year, he had an offer from Temple and maybe somewhere else, maybe Virginia Tech, just based on kickoff returns that he had as a freshman. Just based on his kickoff returns as a freshman, he had, um, he had a couple offers. He got hurt, didn't play like the first four or five games maybe his sophomore year, because I had asked Penn State about him, and they said they knew about him, and maybe he had gone to camp there, but they needed to see him as a receiver. Jim, his first game as a starting wide receiver, I think in the first half against Wilson, which is typically one of the 10 uh, best schools in the state at the highest classification, I want to say he had something like 11 catches for 267 yards and three touchdowns in the first half against Wilson. So I texted Andy Frank, and I was like, 
By the way, those kids for Wilson were all like D2 players. They were good players. And I was like, you might want to check this kid out again. It was his first game really playing. Penn State offered him like Sunday or Monday. You know, his first game was enough for them to be like, oh, my gosh. So here's what I have for um, here's what I have for Anthony. Really good, but not elite speed. Flashes a burst at times. He's a good kick returner with natural instincts. He's, he's undersized, but I thought he was an outstanding route runner, especially on corner routes, which is when you run straight and then you go to the pylon like a flag route, as well as corner posts. So you're down the seam, you fake you're going to go to the, to the pylon, and then you go back to the post. And wearing number five, he kind of reminded me of Jahan Dotson a little bit. Undersized, quick in and out of his breaks. He's got soft hands and shows the ability to make contested catches and high point the ball. My concern is I didn't really see any progress or improvement from his sophomore year. I mentioned the sophomore year game where he was incredible. I, he didn't really do as much the last two years. He didn't really take that to the next level. I gave him only a 7.5. Okay. And we've got two minutes left to get to Caden Saunders, probably the most highly regarded of these uh, guys coming in. Yeah, really good burst and speed. But again, does not show elite long speed. He's not K.J. Hamler, okay? He's not pulling away from people. He's not Nick Singleton. He's another undersized wide receiver who gives off some serious Jahan Dotson vibes. Serious. I mean, you said Stubblefeld. It's like they're all trying to be, they're trying to get the next Jahan Dotson. He has a great feel for running routes out of the slot. And in the middle of the field, he's tremendous with the ball in his hands in any capacity. Wildcat quarterback, returner, etc. He has very natural hands and body control, whether it's a poorly thrown ball behind him, near the sidelines, etc. He's a good prospect. He's a very good prospect. I gave him an 8.1. He's another one, though, Jim, that I remember, wasn't he like the first kid to commit in this class? In fact, I'm looking at it. You have it on the spreadsheet that you supply me with to take my notes. He committed in July after his sophomore year. July, before his junior year. And I remember watching him and thinking he was really good. He's another one that... I'm not sure I saw as It's interesting that he and Ivy committed as early as they did because I'm not sure I've seen a ton of progress since their sophomore year. Uh, that's interesting. And the other uh, interesting point with uh, Caden Saunders is he's coming out of Ohio also. So, you know, as a Penn State fan, they do they react two different ways. Look, we got this great, great recruit out of Ohio – or they say, well, gee, what's wrong with them that Ohio, he's not going to Ohio State? All right, Ross, that's it for quarter number two. Stick around quarter number three. We're going to take your questions, and we're going to ask Ross.
This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Ross Tucker. It's quarter number three, so it's time for Ask Ross. This is where we're taking your questions for Ross. Best question wins the KSN Polo. If you want to submit a question for Ross, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Ross button, and there you go. Or you can also email us at info at ksnsports.net. We actually have a couple email uh, questions. Let's hit those. From Dave in Tampa, he says, Jim, still angling for a KSN Polo. Here's my question. Once a staple of college and pro football, the trap block seems to have fallen out of favor. Is it because of the RPO concept that effectively allows the quarterback to take an on-rushing lineman out of the play without a block? Are there some rules modifications that have made it less desirable? Ross, what is going on that we don't see the uh, uh, trap block so much anymore? And always enjoy the show. That's Dave in Tampa. Dave, that's a great question. And I loved the trap block, both as a fan watching football growing up, as well as as a player. You know, my high school, while missing, outside of Reading, runs the wing T offense. So, Jim, I, I can't tell you how many times I pulled and trapped. I mean, that was my... 
That was my life. I loved pooling. I loved trapping. So I miss it as well, although my high school team still does all the time, and it's fun to watch them do it. But I think he answered the question exactly correct. I, I think it is the read system and the ability to actually trap a player, so to speak, without having to allocate alignment to him. If you trap a player, you aren't gaining a man advantage there, right? And there are still, every once in a while, you'll see a little inside trap um, every once in a while. But uh, an army does it, and I call their game. So, but not often. But to your point, um, Jim, it, or, or to, to the emailer's point, Dave, it is because they can effectively trap any player they want along the defensive line by reading him. He can be the read for the quarterback and the running back. So why have a lineman, why allocate a lineman to kicking a guy out or trapping him when that lineman can go block somebody else and the quarterback can effectively have the same impact by reading that player? Very good. All right, let's go to Steve in Huntington Valley. He says, hey, Ross, I completely support getting paid for the NIL. That being said, NIL really only impacts the top players and not those further down the depth chart who also might need financial support. How, how far away are we from collective bargaining agreement in college football to recognize what is truly the case now? It's a semi-pro minor league for the NFL. Besides competition, what else could we see in a CBA? Maybe health care? Also, I've started ordering my pizza with anchovies and pineapple, and I love it, and I don't even care if you judge me. Uh, Ross, before you respond, let me take the second part of Steve's question. Anchovies and pineapple on your pizza, just plain wrong. All right, Ross. What's this guy's name? Steve in Huntington Valley. Let me just tell you one thing, Jim. He is not the winner. He is the loser. <laughs> anchovies and pineapple those are the two worst things you could put on the pizza steve i feel like verbally slapping you in the face right now what are you talking about is this still america are we still in america where's his huntington valley is that in america pineapple and anchovies you've got to be kidding me to answer his question though First of all, I think he's got a false premise. I don't believe that necessarily other guys on the program are not getting money. In fact, I know there are places like Texas and Miami where I want to say like every guy on the team is guaranteed like 25000 or something like that, Jim. Are you aware of that? I know I've seen reports of stuff like that. So there are programs that I think have realized, and I think there's a lot of value in that, Jim. If you can, depth matters. Getting the three-star and four-star guys you want matters. And if, there's, if they're comparing two schools and the one they're definitely going to get $25,000 a year and the other they're not, they're going to take the 25000 more often than not. 
So as Penn State ramps up their NIL efforts and, you know, they these collectives or whatever they got going, Penn State fans and alums start to get involved. I think there's a lot of value in that in the fact that depth, because depth matters, and having players not transfer matters. So I think there's a lot of value in them trying to have some sort of NIL deal for every uh, Penn State football player. To his question, though, yes, I do think it will get to the point where they will be employees and there will be collective bargaining. I do think it will get there. It's a very interesting place that we're in because it feels like it's going to get closer to almost the European model. But then are they, I mean, I've heard people talk about these guys not even going to class anymore, Jim. So then what are we even doing? Like, here's the Penn State football program. These are guys that live near the Penn State campus. (laughs) And they wear the uniforms that the other people wear. They're not actually students. I mean, it's just a weird, it's, it, it's kind of sad in a way, but it's also happy because the people that deserve the money are going to start to get the money. But there should be a situation where they make money and still have the college experience, kind of get the best of both worlds. And by the way, just to... Um, I think where Steve's coming from is it's those big money items that get all the ink. Recently, the kid who committed to Miami, allegedly there's $8 million in NIL money. My response to that, Ross, was instead of giving one kid $8 million, I'd rather see them give 400000 to 20 kids. <laughs> you know, get me 24 stars by paying them each four hundred grand, then blowing $8 million on one quarterback. Well, a All couple right. things on that. Number one, the, the quarterback might provide that kind of value if he's really that good. You know, if he's really that good. But, but if he's not, that's a rough payment. Can you well, imagine, imagine his junior year, he stinks, and you still got to give him another $2 million that year, whatever it is? It's like in these professional sports where they have guaranteed contracts, and you're stuck with them. But the other part, a little bit using math here, I did a, a year or two ago, I took a look at like the history of five-star quarterbacks. More than half of them turn out to be bus, Ross. So you're putting your money, that's quite a gamble. I'd rather spread the money out and uh, spread out my bet. Let's go to Jay in Lewis, Delaware, who says, Hey, Ross, couple life questions for you. So are you ready for this, Ross? Love which are you most, Which are you most proud of, your Princeton degree or your playing career? Also, when you and your wife started dating, was she drawn more to your brain or your brawn? By the way, John's Brick Oven Pizzeria in Greenwich Village is the best pizza in the land. That's a great question. Um, It's hard to separate the Princeton degree from the playing career because my football ability, I was a recruited student athlete at Princeton. 
So my football ability and football career contributed to me getting the opportunity to go to Princeton. However, if he is saying, if he's asking, am I more proud of playing seven years in the NFL or getting a Princeton degree, there is no question I'm more proud of playing seven years in the NFL. And that's not to take anything away from going to Princeton. It's an awesome thing. On Monday, I'm going back for a, a, a golf outing and to see a bunch of the guys. I mean, it's the number one school in the world. It's ranked or whatever every year. Extremely proud of that. However, that wasn't my dream growing up. My, my dream wasn't, to be honest with you, my dream was to play at Penn State. My dream wasn't to go to Prince and get a Princeton degree. My dream was to play for Penn State and the Eagles. I did neither. I played for neither. Uh, but I did get a chance to play seven years in the NFL. And it's just remarkable. You know, like I think about all the great players that played at my high school. And there's a guy now going into his sixth year. So he might beat me out. Uh, Alex Anzalone for the Detroit Lions in terms of how long of a career. But as of now, there's only been three guys that ever played in the NFL. And I'm one of them. And I've got the longest career and then Princeton, I'll go to this event on Monday, Jim. I'll be the only guy there that played in the NFL. And it's just really cool. It, it's a really special thing. So I would say NFL. Now, the other part of his question, my wife, without any hesitation, it is the brains. It is absolutely the brains. I met her uh, senior year of college before I was an NFL player. Now, make no bones about it. She liked my brawn. In fact, she tells me I'm getting too skinny. She complains that she can feel my ribs. She met, when I met her, I was like 310, 315, and that's what she liked. She likes a big thing. God, that's what she likes. Um, but she found out quickly that I went to Princeton. She was up, I was up at Bucknell. She found out quickly I went to Princeton. And uh, she was very intrigued by that because that's where she wanted to go and unfortunately didn't get accepted, probably because she wasn't 6'4", 250 in high school like I was. And uh, But no, for my wife, definitely the brains. She, there would be no hesitation if you asked her that. All right, very good, Ross. We'll name a winner in quarter number four. And by the way, I've met your wife. You got a five-star wife. <laughs> Stay tuned for quarter number four. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. 
Order today at ypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. That means Andy is back with us. And first, we got to take care of business, Andy. Winner of the Ask Ross segment with the best question is Dave from Tampa. So, Dave, we will be getting in touch with you. Dave was smart enough to ask a question about the offensive line. That's always a good route to take, that and food. Speaking of offensive line, Andy, we've been going through our position analysis and save the best for last. By best, I mean best conversation and that's the offensive line. We've been talking about this for quite a while. First, before we get into the individuals, just as a general overview, correct me if I'm wrong, comparing my take and your take. My take is I think that the offensive line could genuinely be better at all five positions this year than it was a year ago. Does that mean they're going to be great? No, it doesn't. But I think they're going to be better across the board. You are probably not quite as optimistic as I am. No, I'm at the uh, I'm at the expectations are at the very bottom of the steps, and uh, you know, a little ambassador of Quan, you got to show me a little bit of something. And when I think of this offensive line under Phil Troutwine, they've They've been coached, you know, we spoke about this a little bit last week, but you can tell, clearly see they're coached to have a little bit more technical element to their game than just brute strength for physical. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a physical element to playing offensive line, right? We know that there is. But what is that line between being a technical blocker and winning your one-on-one battle with power right in front of you? That's That has sort of become a sticky sticky point for Penn State and as I look at it overarching I know what Phil Troutwine is doing and building at Penn State but it's not sticking big picture wise it's just not sticking this is going to be his fourth year at Penn State and these are his players that he chose so I am really curious to see how this plays out overall there's a process and method in terms of in in terms of approach that he takes 
but it simply hasn't yielded results at Penn State. I mean, beyond the physical versus technical part, the most consistent struggles I see, you know, and they are consistent verse, uh, beyond the physical versus technical, the communication and blitz recognition and pickup. I mean, they've put their quarterback, Sean Clifford, in a bad spot. Now, does Sean hold the ball a tick or two too long on occasion? Yeah, he does, but not the kind of heat that he's been under. I mean, he's been sacked 76 times as a starting quarterback. Now, those aren't Christian Hackenberg numbers, but they're pretty darn close. So it's time for this process to yield results that are noticeable. I still stay at the bottom of the steps and go, if you're one or two steps up after three games, that is progress. But in terms of an expectation, right at the bottom of the steps, Jimmy. What what concerns me is when I rewatch a game and I emphasize when a big play happens and typically a sack, that's a big play, and I'll replay and I'll watch it, is that it often appears to be mental errors. You have two Penn State offensive linemen engaging with one defender while another defender comes in free as can be, never touched. Those aren't physical errors, they're mental ones. And fair or unfair, that has to be put, it's placed on the coach, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's technical versus physical. How much are they thinking? How much are they playing? And what is the communication like? Are they in unable to communicate? Are they unable to recognize, you know, when you're trying to be a more technical blocker, and the game sort of demands a little bit of it today, right? More than just, you know, three yards and brute strength and a cloud of dust unless you're Wisconsin. Um, but it's there is still a physical element to it. But the, the technical side of it is a lot different in the modern game. And it just, it just feels like Penn State's linemen are thinking more than playing. Does that does that make sense to you Jimmy like they don't look like they're just playing out of a natural course they're playing like they're thinking and it seems like they're definitely afraid to fail at times. They're just not playing with a, a comfort and ease that you would need and it clearly shows up. Well, if you're thinking too much that means you're going a step slow. And there certainly has been that case. Let's look. I'm going to throw my theory of being better at each position at you. Rashid Walker, prior to last season, he was thought of as a potential first-round draft pick. Where he ended up in the draft tells you how disappointing his performance was. I, I'd call it lackluster. It was definitely not that great. We have Olu Fashanu coming in to play left tackle now, where I think the... Um, coaches have a great deal of confidence in him is they had another potential left tackle with Landon Tengwall, very highly regarded recruit, but they still thought Fashanu was the better candidate for left tackle. I think that confidence level tells me something. Landon Tengwall versus Eric Wilson at left guard, I think you're going to have an improvement there with Tengwall. Um, Juice Scruggs, they made the swap with him and Mike Miranda. Juice Scruggs moving to center. I think the thought was that he would be better at that position. Miranda may have been pushed around a little bit, not quite physical enough in the middle. 
So I think that's going to be an improvement. At right guard, you have Sal Warmly, who was out a year ago with an injury, but the Penn State coaches said he could have been starting a year ago. And then you have Hunter Norzad, the very good Cornell offensive lineman, coming in. So those two will probably battle for that position. I think will be better than what we saw a year ago. And then Caden Wallace is the incumbent at right tackle. Again, I think he was a bit of a disappointment last season. I feel like he, you know, and maybe damning what faint praise, but doesn't he have to be better than he was a year ago? Yeah, I mean, there's still an inexperienced group, right, Jimmy? I don't see their experience as uh, a plus. I see it as, you know, borderline, you know, it's acceptable, right? But it's certainly not a, excuse me, veteran offensive line and there is depth concerns don't ever forget about that don't you know the blue white game remember now is it going to look that bad come camp and going into the season no but they do truly have um a depth issue but maybe some changes exactly you know kind of what this group needs i mean they certainly have something to prove there's there's no doubt about it for two seasons now they are the epicenter of the problems that penn state is having They have been that bad consistently that you can identify the offensive line as the clear-cut epicenter of their biggest problem. It's crystal clear. It's right up front. It's the five guys in the trenches. Yeah, you've got little, you know, little nicks of this and little nicks of that as issues going on. But at the the bottom line for me is consistently for two full seasons, they have been bad enough consistently that they are the epicenter of the problem. And I don't think just replacing guys, you can, you're optimistic, right? Like I, I applaud your optimism and I, I don't disagree with you at its core. I just think when you've been that bad and that inconsistent and that poor that you're the epicenter of the problem, you've got a long way to climb to not be that. It doesn't happen overnight and they don't have a lot of experience and they're extremely thin depth-wise overall, that will get better over the course of the season just because they've recruited better at the position. But heading into this, they have a true sort of little bit of greenish offensive line that has depth issues. Definitely, Andy. Any injuries are going to hurt this team. The issue is some of these other players, the backups, we don't know about them. And this has been you know my theory for a couple of years now. When those recruiting classes in 19 and 20 and 21 came in, we were told these are guys with potential. Right. We're not going to see them the first couple years. Well, guess what? Now we're reaching year two and three where they're supposed to be playing. What about those backups, those new guys? Any one of them impress you as being able to? Some of them are going to have to be on the two deep, Andy. Yeah, I, 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 we haven't seen enough of them because they've all been those guys that needed to develop to get in. I just think I, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to look at the depth chart right now because they have so many problems up front. But I mean, they need to set a depth chart through camp. But it's analytically, I, I, I really, honestly, I don't care much about the depth chart in the two deep. Unless, you know, until somebody gets hurt, because right now there's so much to look at and analyze from the starters. And the last thing I just want to say real quick, Jimmy, 
is this isn't a one-horse problem either. Either I mean, they struggled to run the ball last year. After in 2020, they closed out kind of running the ball well, kind of the same group of guys. Now, the backs have some responsibility in last year. There's no doubt about it. But they struggled to run the ball, and they also gave up 30 sacks. That's To me, that's like having a two-way miss in golf, right? Like you don't know whether you're going to miss left or right, and you can't figure out which way your ball's going to go. So they, it's just not a one-trick problem that they've got. They've got sort of a two-way miss or, a, you know, a double whammy sort of working on them that – you can't just pick one to improve at because one's solid. They've got a two-way miss going on. On the positive side, and I'm the glass half full guy today, it appears. You are. You've got a second year with the offensive coordinator. So you're yes. hoping that that coordination will be there. Sean Clifford back with the same offensive coordinator two years in a row. That's going to be unique. You've got a couple incoming running backs. I know they're freshmen, but that's a position where a freshman running back can make a difference, especially when one of them is named Nick Singleton. That alone, the threat of the running game should help the other things also, the passing game. So, Andy, I think there are some things to be positive about with this offensive line. I'll give you the last word. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, and I and I don't, I like I, you know we kind of joke because we're opposite end of the spectrum. You have some optimism. I see that same optimism. I see man the opportunity for the man for man across the board for this group to be better after this much you know time in the black hole of being the struggle unit. I think they just need to show it. Definitely the case, and I do think there's a little bit of pressure on Phil Troutwine with this group. Now's the time. He's been here a few years. All right, Andy, that is it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. 
That's T E K results.com. Or give us a call at 814 206 0000. 